You're listening to the Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. Episode 10. Menelaus' Story. When dawn appeared, rose-fingered child of the morning, Menelaus of the loud battle cry got up from bed. He put on his clothes, slung a sharp sword over his shoulder, tied fine sandals on his sleek feet, and then he made his way from the room, a match for any god. He called Telemachus' name, sat down next to him, and said, Hero Telemachus, what brought you here to divine Lacedaemon on the broad back of the sea? Do you need something, or does your kingdom tell me, and don't leave anything out? Spirited Telemachus said back to him, Atreides Menelaus, leader of men, raised by Zeus, I came to see if you might be able to give me news of my father. My home is being devoured, my rich fields destroyed, the house is full of hostile men, men who are unbearably full of themselves. My mother's suitors. They're endlessly slaughtering my crowds of sheep and swaggering curve-horned oxen. That's why I come to your knees now. To see if you're willing to tell me about that one's dismal destruction. Maybe you saw it with your own eyes, or heard the story from someone else as they wandered. His mother bore him to be exceptionally miserable, so don't, out of respect for me, try to soften the news in any way. Don't take pity on me. Tell me the full story of how you caught sight of him. Please. If in the land of the Trojans, where you Achaeans suffered misery, my father, noble Odysseus, ever promised you anything and made it happen? Either word or deed? Remember these things for me now, and don't leave anything out. Greatly troubled, bright-haired Menelaus spoke. This is unbelievable. Cowards themselves, they want to sleep in the bed of a strong-hearted man. Just like when a deer puts her newborn unweaned fawns to bed in the grove of a strong lion and trails through the foothills and grassy hollows grazing, and then the lion goes to his own bed, and sends them both to a messy end. Odysseus will send the suitors to their own messy end just like that. I wish, Father Zeus, Athena, and Apollo, that he could be like he once was in well-built Lesbos, at the competition, where he stood up and wrestled Philomelades, and threw him forcefully down, and all the Achaeans cheered. An Odysseus like that would engage with the suitors, and they'd all find a bitter marriage and a swift death. As for what you asked me about, and begged me to tell you, I won't go off topic and dodge the questions, and I won't deceive you. I'll tell you what the infallible old man of the sea told me. I won't hide anything from you, or withhold the story. Though I was eager to get home, up till then the gods kept me in Egypt, since... I hadn't sacrificed complete hecatombs to them, and gods always want their laws to be remembered. There's a certain island in the much-surging sea before Egypt, and they call it Pharos. It's as far away as a hollow ship with a whistling wind behind it can go in one day. There's a harbor, with good mooring places there, where they launch balanced ships into the sea once they've drawn up dark water. The gods held me there for twenty days. And not once did a fair wind appear heading seaward, the kind of wind which becomes an escort on the broad back of the sea. And now all our provisions and the strength of the men would have been spent if one of the gods hadn't taken pity and saved me. Edothe, 
the daughter of Proteus, the strong old man of the sea. I'd moved her heart the most. She found me straying away from my companions. Their stomachs ached with hunger, so roaming around the island they were always fishing with curved fish hooks. She stood next to me, spoke a word, and said, Hey, stranger, are you stupid? Or did you just decide to give up? Do you like suffering? You've been stuck on this island for so long, with no end in sight, and your companions' hearts waste away. That's what she said. Then I replied and said, Whichever goddess you are, I'll tell you. I'm not held here freely at all, but I must have sinned against the immortals who hold wide heaven. But why don't you tell me, since gods know everything, which of the immortals shackles me and holds me back from my voyage, and tell me how I'll get home across the fish-filled sea? That's what I said, and the goddess of goddesses at once answered, All right, I'll give it to you straight, stranger. There's a certain infallible old man of the sea, who comes here often, deathless Proteus, the Egyptian, Poseidon's minister, who knows all the depths of the sea. They say he's my father. If somehow you were able to lay a trap and capture him, he'd tell you how to get home across the fish-filled sea, the way and the length of the road. And, Zeus raised one, he'd tell you, if you want, what good and evil has been done in your hall while you've been gone on your long and painful way. That's what she said. Then I replied, show me the trap for the godlike old man yourself, right now in case he's forewarned, or predicts what's coming and somehow evades me. A god is difficult for a mortal man to overcome. That's what I said, and then the goddess of goddesses at once replied, All right, I'll give it to you straight, stranger. When the sun bestrides the middle of heaven, then the infallible old man of the sea comes from the ocean, a dark surge raised by Zephyrus' breath covering him. Coming out, he sleeps under the hollow caves, and around him are crowds of sleeping seals, the children of beautiful Halosydne, the seaborn. Emerging from the grey sea, they sleep in crowds, exhaling the sharp smell of the very deep sea. I'll lead you there just when dawn appears. You should choose three good companions, the best beside your well-bent ships, and I'll set up the ambush. I'll tell you all the old man's tricks. First, he'll go and count the seals. Then, after he's seen them all and counted them by fives, he'll lie down in the middle like a herdsman with his flock of sheep. Then, as soon as you see him going to sleep, from then on, watch out for his strength and power. Hold him right there, however desperate he is and in a rush to get away. He'll turn into all kinds of things to test you, becoming as many beasts as there are on land or water, and turning into a supernaturally consuming fire. And you have to hold him tight and squeeze him harder. But when he questions you himself with words, and you can see that he looks like he was when he was asleep, then, hero, stop. Free the old man from your control, and ask him which of the gods keeps you down, and ask him how you'll get home across the fish-filled sea. So saying, she dove into the swelling waves. Then I boarded my ships where they stood on the shore, my heart pounding as I went. Then after I'd gone down to the ship and the sea, we made dinner, and ambrosial night came on, and then we went to sleep at the edge of the surf. We waited all morning with steadfast hearts. The seals came from the sea in a crowd, and they lay down in rows by the edge of the water. At noon, the old man came from the ocean and found the sleek seals. He went up to all of them and counted them, and he numbered us first among the sea monsters. He didn't at all suspect in his heart that it was a trap, and then he lay down. Shouting, we rushed and threw our arms around him, but the old man didn't forget his cunning skills. First, he became a thick-maned lion, then a serpent, a leopard, and a great boar. He turned into running water and a towering leafy tree, and we held him firmly, 
with steadfast hearts. But when the old man, well versed in cunning, was worn out, right then he spoke and he questioned me. Which of the gods conspired with you, son of Atreus, so you could lie in wait and seize me against my will? What do you want? That's what he said, and then I answered him. You know, old man, why are you trying to distract me, asking that? I've been stuck on this island for a long time. I can't find an end to it, and my heart wastes away. But you tell me, since the gods know everything. Which of the immortals shackles me and holds me back from my voyage, and tell me how I'll get home across the fish-filled sea? That's what I said. And at once, answering, he said to me, Well, you really should have gone on board, after sacrificing fine offerings to Zeus and the other gods, so sailing on the wine-dark sea you could have reached your fatherland the quickest. It's not your lot to see your dear ones, and reach your well-built house and fatherland, until you go back to the waters of Egypt, the river that falls from heaven, and sacrifice sacred hecatombs to the immortal gods which hold wide heaven. And right then, the gods will give you the path you long for. That's what he said, and then my heart broke, because he ordered me back to the misty sea, back to Egypt, a long and painful road. But regardless, I said back to him, I'll do this just like you tell me to, old man, but come, tell me this, and give it to me straight. Did all the Achaeans, which Nestor and I left, setting off from Troy, make it safely with their ships? Or did any meet their end through bitter destruction on board, or in the arms of their loved ones once they'd wound off the war? That's what I said, and at once answering me, he spoke. Atreides, why are you asking me? You don't need to know about it, and you don't need to know my mind. I'll tell you, once you've heard it all, you'll weep. While many were brought down, many were left. Only two leaders of the bronze-clad Achaeans were destroyed on their way home, and you were present at the battle. One is still alive somewhere, held back by the wide sea. Ajax was brought down with his long-oared ships. First, Poseidon drove him near the rocks of Girai and saved him from the sea, and now, though Athena hated him, he'd have escaped doom if he hadn't been made very foolish and yelled out something reckless and overconfident. He said that, against the will of the gods, he'd escaped the great depth of the sea. Poseidon heard him shouting, and immediately seizing his trident in his strong hands, he drove it into the Gorion rock and split it, and one part stayed where it was, and the other fell into the ocean, the part which Ajax, earlier when he was made greatly foolish, sat on. It carried him down into the seething, boundless sea, so, after he drank salt water, he was destroyed there. Your brother fled death and doom and escaped in his hollow ships. Lady Hera saved him, but just as he was about to come to the high mountain of the Malayans, then a hurricane, snatching him up, carried him on the fish-filled sea, groaning heavily to the edge of the country where Thiestes once made his home, but then Aegisthus Thiestiades lived. But when it looked like there'd be a safe homecoming even from there, and the gods turned a fair wind back around and they came home, he set foot on his fatherland rejoicing. And clinging to his homeland, he kissed it, and many hot tears poured from him when he saw the welcome land. A lookout whom cunning Aegisthus had placed, promising to pay him two talents of gold, saw Agamemnon from his post. He'd kept watch for a year in case he missed him going by, and he remembered Agamemnon's impetuous strength. He made his way to the house to report to the shepherd of men, and at once Aegisthus thought up a cunning plan. 
Picking out twenty of the best men in the region, he set an ambush, and at the same time he ordered a feast to be prepared in another place. Then, thinking vile things, he went with horses and chariots to invite Agamemnon, shepherd of men. He brought him, unaware of his doom, entertained him at dinner, and then he killed him. Like someone kills an ox at the manger. None of Atreides' companions who went with him were left either, nor any of Aegisthus's. They were all killed in the hall. That's what the infallible old man said. Then my heart broke, and I wept sitting on the shore, and my heart didn't want to live any more or see the light of the sun. Then after I'd had my fill of weeping and tossing, right then the infallible old man said to me, Son of Atreus, stop crying, like you'll wring yourself dry. We don't get anywhere doing that. You should instead try to quickly reach your fatherland. You'll either find Aegisthus alive or Orestes will already have showed up and killed him, and you can be there for the funeral. That's what he said. And my heart was warmed, and my courage returned despite my grief. And voicing winged words, I said to him, Now I know. But you must tell me the name of the third man, the one still alive, held back by the wide sea, or dead, though grieving, I want to hear. That's what I said. And answering, he said back to me at once, the son of Laertes, whose home is in Ithaca. I saw him pouring down thick tears in the halls of the nymph Calypso. She holds him by force. He can't get to his fatherland. There aren't any companions or oared ships with him to send him on the broad back of the sea. Finally, it's not decreed by a god for you, Menelaus, raised by Zeus, to die and meet your fate in horse-grazing Argos. But the immortals will send you to the Elysian fields and the ends of the earth, where bright-haired Radamanthus is. Life is easiest for men there. There's no snow and not much winter. It never rains, but Okeanos always sends up clear gusts of Zephyrus, the west wind, blowing to soothe men. You'll go there because you have Helen, and to the immortals you are a son-in-law of Zeus. So saying, he dove under the swelling sea, and then I went to my ships with my god-vying companions, my heart pounding as we went. Once we'd gone down to the ship in the sea, we made dinner, and ambrosial night came on, and we went to sleep at the edge of the surf. When dawn appeared, rose-fingered child of the morning, first of all, we hauled our ships down to the divine sea. We set up the mast and sails in our balanced ships, and then we embarked, and sat down on the rowing benches. Sitting in rows, we struck the grey sea with the oars, heading back to the river of Egypt that falls from heaven. I moored the ships and sacrificed complete hecatombs. Then, once I'd put an end to the anger of the gods, who are forever, I heaped up a burial mound for Agamemnon, so his fame would be inextinguishable. Once I'd done this, I left, and the immortals gave me a fair wind, and they sent me quickly to my dear fatherland. But come now, stay in my hall till the eleventh or twelfth day has gone by, and then I'll give you a good send-off, and I'll give you plenty of splendid gifts. Three horses, and a well-polished chariot, and then I'll give you a beautiful cup, so you can pour libations to the immortal gods remembering me for all your days. Spirited Telemachus said back to him, Atreides, don't keep me here much longer. Even though I could endure sitting here with you for a year, and no longing for home or parents would seize me, because I do terribly enjoy hearing your words and stories. But already my companions are impatient in Holy Pylos, and 
you've kept me here for a while. Whatever gift you want to give me, make it something precious. I won't take the horses to Ithaca, but I'll leave them here for you to enjoy, since you're lord of a wide plain where there's plenty of clover, gallingale, wheat, grain, and broad-eared white barley. In Ithaca, there aren't any open spaces to run, and there aren't any grassy fields. None of the islands are fit for horses. They don't have fine meadows. They slope down to the salt sea, and Ithaca even more than the others. It's goat-grazing land, but more desirable than horse-grazing. That's what he said. And Menelaus of the loud battle-cry smiled, patted his hand, called him by name, and said, You're of good breeding, dear child, since you say such things, so I'll change this for you, since I can. Of the gifts which lie in my house, heirlooms, I'll give you the most beautiful and prized one there is. A mixing bowl, a masterwork, it's all silver, and the edge is finished with gold. The work of Hephaestus. The hero Phaedimus gave it to me, the Sidonian king, when he received me in his house on my way home. I want to send it with you. So, while they said these things to one another, the guests arrived at the house of the godlike king. They led sheep and brought wine, the joy of men, and their wives in beautiful headdresses sent food. And so they got to work, making dinner in the hall. You've been listening to The Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. You can learn more and listen to new episodes at theodysseyoutloud.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash odysseyoutloud. Thank you for listening. <laughs>